0: This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel, broadcasting remotely. When was the last time you ate inside a restaurant? For me, it was Valentine's Day. Since the shutdown, my family tries to order out once a week to help local restaurants in our town. If you do this too, is it enough to keep restaurants afloat? Probably not. So what's the fix for an industry that not only feeds us, but employs tens of thousands? Today we talk about Connecticut restaurants, now that Governor Lamont has rolled back statewide reopening plans from phase three. How will a curfew for restaurants affect their bottom line? We want to hear from you, too. Have you tried indoor dining? Why or why not? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888 720 WMPR. You can share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. Coming up, we talked to an epidemiologist about safety measures. Restaurants are trying like so-called igloos, we'll explain. But first on Zoom, joining us is Scott Dolch, Executive Director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. Scott, welcome to
3: the show. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks so much for having me this morning.
0: So just on Friday, the the governor modified the state's reopening, rolled back uh, some um, guidelines and rules, and now we've got new restrictions impacting uh, the restaurant industry that we haven't seen uh, for a few months. How does this rollback impact your industry in particular? Can you uh, walk us through uh, these uh, rules and what you've been hearing from your members?
3: Sure, Lucy. So, yeah, so obviously everyone knows in Connecticut, we've had a little bit of an uptick in cases and, um, you know, we're trying to, you know, work, as I work tirelessly with the governor and his staff on opportunities and ways to uh, to continue to stay open, keep our businesses afloat. Obviously the public health and, and safety is our number one concern as an industry and it has been since the beginning. So um, on Friday, you know, we we went back to what they're calling a modified phase 2.1, Um, So our restaurants were up to 75% capacity. They got to go back down to 50% capacity. Uh, Private events um, that are controlled by a commercial venue or a caterer or restaurant have to go from 100 inside down to 25 um, and outside from 150 down to 50. Uh, Residential events um, at people's homes, things like that inside, outside, both have been brought way down to 10 um, for those gatherings. And then obviously you mentioned the curfew. Um, you know, so there's there's a business curfew not just for restaurants across the board that uh, businesses um, have to be closed by 10 p.m. Um, and stay closed until 5 a.m. Uh, seven days a week um, in, in in with this uh, phase 2.1. So um, a lot of different changes and challenges that that our industry um, is having to face uh, to to try to stay afloat as we as we head closer now into the winter.
0: Mm. You mentioned that you. And your association have been working with the governor's office on guidelines for restaurants. So let's talk about the curfew. Did this uh, throw you for a loop? This idea that uh, first restaurants were to close their doors by 930, and now that's been changed a bit. But how does that impact restaurants when we think about the number of tables that are turned in a night?
3: It's It, it definitely, I want to say it threw us for a loop. Obviously, there's there's been some other states that have, that have put curfews in place. Um, I think it was a little bit... Um, of a shock to to start at 9:30. Obviously, we it, it got moved to 10 o'clock in a line with Massachusetts. Um, we are pushing uh, the associate, you know, the governor, the the administration, you know, Commissioner Lehman. Um, our ask right now is is to try to move that that kind of closure to 11 p.m. Um, at least three nights a week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, and the reason being, and I think you mentioned it a little bit, Lucy, and for for listeners listening in. You know, our, our restaurants, especially our full service restaurants, you're going to hear from one in a second, um, are so uh, so tied on the weekends, especially in the winter, um, with how many turns they can get at their table. And a turn is every time, you know, uh, a group sits at a table, then the next group comes in. So that would be count as a turn. Typical restaurants. Um, you know, try to get at least if they can get three turns um, on a Thursday, Friday or Saturday night for a dinner rush. So you think of a five o'clock dinner, a seven o'clock and then around nine, you know, uh, depending upon the tables and the, and the size. Um, the, the challenge even with 10 o'clock is that nine o'clock seating and obviously rolling back to 50 percent capacity, you're limited in how many. Uh, how many tables you can use in that five and seven o'clock window? So that nine o'clock turn is is so important, uh, not only to the business, um, but also to the the employees. You know those those servers and and bartenders rely on, um, you know that that third group uh, for tips. And even sometimes it's only maybe two turns in, in certain certain locations around the state. So um, you know we we don't want to penalize the the good actors, the restaurants that that are doing it right. You know we've kind of gone back to the governor and said. Listen, you know, we we don't we won't allow anybody into the restaurant after 915. Let's say everyone has to be seated and having their meal, um, but allow that that kind of nine o'clock dinner opportunity for our restaurants, um, you know, to survive. Because in a sense, you know, you're losing a third of your revenue on those on the most busiest nights in the winter uh, when you can't have outdoor dining because we know that's going to go away very shortly. Um, and you know, every little bit helps, um, they're really on their last leg. It's such a dire situation for this industry across our country, but obviously in our state. So I, I think that we're hopeful, um, you know, as we continue to talk through this, that, that there'll be an opportunity, hopefully to, to extend uh, that curve for you to 11.
0: You mentioned the good actors, but let's talk about the bad ones. And that's why uh, the governor has imposed this curfew. There have been cases of uh, certain venues uh, that are uh, flouting the rules. They're having packed parties. Uh, we know that uh, COVID cases are growing in our state. I think I just saw a headline from the governor's presser yesterday that hospitalizations are at their highest since May. And so how do you respond to these venues that uh, have not been paying attention to these rules for the public's health?
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more Lucy. Um, As an association, we don't condone any of the bad actors, I think. And I've told that to the governor really since day one back in March with when we started, you know, um, the the first the the shutdowns and and, you know, what what you're looking at and what some some of the media are are highlighting really aren't, in my opinion, really restaurants or full service restaurants Mm -hmm. by any stretch. I mean, what we saw in Bridgeport, uh, what we saw in Hamden on Friday, um, you know, th- these aren't restaurants; these are nightclub um, that obviously, you know, are, are, are what the, the the governor likes to say, bars masquerading like restaurants. There's no food being served; no one's wearing masks. Um, there's there's so many uh, guidelines. When you see some of these videos and things that that they're not following, you could probably go down a laundry list of guidelines, and and that that's where it's very frustrating for me because you know situations like that are ruining ruining it for. Um, the restaurants that have been following and working so hard um, to keep people safe, uh, to keep their businesses open, and you know, and obviously it's a small few, um, but really in in our industry specifically and with our members, you know, we we preach and we pride ourselves on these guidelines. Cause I understand and I've said that to everybody that these guidelines are, are worked in conjunction. We've had a seat at the table, you know whether it's been tweaks to as we'll mention igloos and greenhouses to allow those or, you know, bar seating but with restrictions or, you know all different mandates and, and, and things throughout this pandemic we continue to have that seat at the table to help work on guidelines that continue to keep guests safe and, and employees safe, but also allow our businesses to stay open, um, give them an opportunity to, to still generate the revenue to, to make it through this pandemic.
0: This is where we live today. We're talking about the restaurant industry now that there's a surge in COVID-19 cases in our state. The governor has modified reopening pa- plans, rolling back from a phase three. And we're talking with Scott Dolch, uh, who uh, leads the Connecticut Restaurant Association. You can join our conversation. We want to hear um, how uh, you're still uh, visiting uh, restaurants in the town you live, uh, some of your concerns about whether it's eating indoors or even outdoors. The number 888 720 Seven or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I wanted to welcome onto the show now Andy Rizzo, who is a managing partner of Salute, which is a staple in downtown Hartford right near Bushnell Park. Andy, welcome to our show.
2: Hi, Lucy. Thanks for having me on.
0: So we were hearing Scott talk broadly about the industry. You've been involved in the restaurant industry for many years. What does it look like for Salute uh, these last few months? And what does this rollback mean for you?
2: Uh, it's a it's a huge struggle down here, Lucy. To tell you the truth, um, it's very difficult not having any commuters back into town. It's very difficult with no events going on, um, no theater going on, anything like that. Anything to bring people to downtown Hartford. Um, it's just it's non-existent right now. Uh, whether it's a convention in town um, or something going on at the XL Center, Yard Goats games. Uh, so, not having any of that down here it definitely makes it a really, really big struggle. As, as, um, as right now, the uh, the rollbacks. Just when you think you're kind of gaining a little bit of momentum, um, that was uh, definitely uh, tough, tough, tough pill to swallow. Where we're getting basically punished for a couple bad eggs that uh, have been ignoring the safety guidelines and um, everything, the mandates that the governor has put out where we have gone, I believe, above and beyond uh, safety protocols um, to make sure that our guests have a good experience, but also that they feel safe whether they feel whether they sit inside or outside at the moment.
0: Andy, you mentioned the momentum. Uh, so tell us when your restaurant reopened this summer after the peak, and we've been having really nice weather lately, and so I imagine that uh, your business has been uh, looking good, but we know winter is right around the corner.
2: We uh, we actually shut down for four months, Lucy. We closed on March 16th, and we reopened on July 16th. Uh, we, did, we were able to retain our entire staff, which that was uh, – big, big bonus for us and a big plus for us, we wanted to make sure that they were all taken care of. Warm weather has been great, Uh, the rollbacks, you know, just I think the public's perception that when he opened it up to to phase three saying 75%, I don't want to say people got loose, but I think just the perception of it is like, oh wow, maybe it is okay for me to go sit inside, still being six feet apart, still being socially distant and adhering to all the guidelines. Um, And then that rollback, I think it just didn't go back one step. I think it went back several steps um, from people's perception right now.
0: Mm. So tell me more about that, uh, this rollback and and what you're hearing from from people. Because how many people can you really have in your restaurant? And how how much of your area, the outdoor dining, have you been able to also uh, fill tables?
2: We can seat about 120 inside. So at the moment, we can do 60 outside we have 15 tables all socially distant apart which we kind of expanded our patio a little bit the city of hartford allowed us to do that kind of push it out to the sidewalk that definitely helps uh the weather obviously definitely helps um it's kind of the monday through thursday the corporate business that was always kind of lively down here where there was energy in the city people walking around um that's just it's, it's non-existent right now so that's the struggle is really during the week. On the weekends, and I think I can probably speak for the majority of the restaurants in downtown, the Fridays and Saturdays are still good nights. Um, but that definitely doesn't make up for the rest of the week, the Monday through Thursday business. Uh, your draw right now yourself, is, is, is yourself in downtown Hartford. People come to see you. People come to grab your food. We, we are getting new faces in here, but the majority of our customers, are repeat customers, loyal customers, friends, family, um, the travelers that would be coming through Hartford. Um, obviously they're just there. It's, it's not there right now. So that's, that's, that's the big struggle is during the week right now is really, really tough.
0: And what does this curfew mean for Salute?
2: That was another uh, kind of rollback for us where not that we're, we used to be a great late night place after a uh, Bushnell show on a Friday. People know that they can come in here at 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock and get a full meal. Um, after a Yukon game, after a Yard Goats game, people knew that we were we were one of the restaurants that we stayed open pretty late to, to feed people. Um, with all of the COVID and everything going on, we just don't get that anymore, so we don't really get those late night diners, but as Scott was saying, we don't get that extra turn on a Friday and Saturday, where for us, that is just huge. Uh, we can't exactly seat people at 9 o'clock and expect them to have a decent dining experience when we're kind of just throwing food at them and saying, sorry, you, uh, you, you have to be out in 45 minutes when they just got a nice meal, a nice bottle of wine, and, um, and are out supporting you and, and spending their hard-earned money to come and support you. And, and it's, it's very difficult um, to give them that experience that they deserve going out later on that on that time.
0: Mm. You're hearing Andy Rizzo here on Where We Live. He's managing partner at Salute, which is an Italian restaurant in uh, downtown Hartford right near Bushnell Park. You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677. Jane's calling in from Simsbury. James, you're on the, Jane, you're on the show.
1: Hi, thanks for taking my call. And um, more of a comment than a question, just once started, we did take out every chance we could to help support local businesses, um, then eat outside as possible, and then also ate inside. I wanted to comment that every restaurant, including Salou, um, has made us feel very safe in what we do, um, you know, with our family, uh, with the social distancing that they practice inside, and while we're disappointed at the curfew, it is understandable, because what we can do to stop the spread while still supporting our businesses, we're all for. Mm.
0: Well, thank you, Jane, uh, for calling in. I wanted to talk more about the the takeout revenue because uh, so many of us are trying to to do that uh, where we live. Uh, Andy, have you seen that grow? And how much of that rev of your revenue is from takeout?
2: Um, yes, we we definitely have seen it grow, and we've been trying to do different options give give people kind of options like a family four pack because we know the majority of them are going back home and feeding their family if they are in the city and leaving the city to take something home um our our takeout has been up about 15 20 percent which is fantastic for the business um that's great but it doesn't necessarily equate to taking care of my staff Mm. um And I'm not saying people aren't very, very generous and and tipping and and gratuities to to our staff because they understand what they're going through. Um, But the bottom line is we need bodies in the seats, whether it's inside, outside. Outside, obviously, right now with the weather, is is a lot easier than seating inside. But when we do have those days where all we have is indoor dining, um, you can definitely see the pullback from a lot of people that are, are not comfortable, not just because of us, just in general. Um, are not comfortable, comfortable going inside, and you, and you totally understand that. Uh, so for us, it's more so we really want to put bodies in the seats, and we appreciate everyone doing takeout, believe me. Um, it's, it's been a huge, huge kind of um, just to not even get us over the hump, just to get us to the top of the hump where we can kind of sustain business right now. Um, but our big thing is the next couple months, especially with the winter months, is, is really to get bodies in the seats and really uh, you know, looking for support from the state on a state level, on a federal level. Um, the PPP was fantastic, and that was great. But for me, uh, that, was, that was pretty much a Band-Aid on a, on a really big cut right now, where that, uh, that definitely helped out and helped you sustain for those 24 weeks. But now coming into the winter months and the uptick in cases, everyone's kind of worried again, and, uh, and, and we don't want to have to roll back any further than we are right now.
0: Hmm. Scott Dolch, you're still with us, executive director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. Are you hearing that also from other restaurants that, you know, take out, uh, you know, it has been a benefit to have, but it's just not enough. They've got to have uh, people coming uh, to the restaurant and sitting down and having a meal.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, Lucy, exactly. I mean, Andy obviously is, is speaking the truth to kind of what I'm hearing. Obviously, most in, in normal times, um, pre-COVID times, you know, takeout is anywhere between 8, 10, maybe 15 percent of a full service restaurant. Um, they've had to to adapt, which Andy and Jimmy at, at Salu have done um, to, to, you know, do family, family meals for four and different ways to be creative throughout this pandemic, which I applaud them and so many restaurants um, to to make it easy. I think we're all tired of, of, you know, being in our house and trying to cook from home and and giving them an opportunity to cook much better meals. Um, But at the same time, to to Andy's point, it is a worry. I mean, you talk about, you know, is that going to sustain? Is it it 20, 30, 40% of really the revenue? And you go back to the two months of our full shutdown um, that we had back from March 16th to May 20th. And and you know how much uh, debt was built up, and and the challenge of and, and Andy hit the nail right on the head that the staffing concerns are huge for us. Uh, my my concern right now is, you know, we had September numbers that you know I, I talked to a couple of media folks saying, hey, we we had an uh, you know an increase in, in employees in our industry, like a seven percent decrease in unemployment specific to our industry, which was great. But I said. You know, let, let's not get too excited because we know that winter is coming. Um, and while you had all that outdoor seating and able to bring staff back, a lot of restaurants are are looking at their numbers and saying, you know, do I have to furlough or lay people off again, which is the last thing we want to do. Um, we don't want to have to do that. And I think to, to Andy's point, we have to figure out other ways creatively through a state and, and, and federal level to, to help us, um, you know, make it through not only for the business side, but for, for the employees as well.
0: Scott, talk more about the impact on our state. When we think about nearly one in 10 Connecticut residents work in this industry, what's at stake uh, if we can't figure out a way uh, to help uh, restaurants uh, stay afloat?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you look at a bigger picture, I mean, just so everyone knows listening in, you know, our industry did $8.9 billion in, in the state in 2019. We have eight, we had 8,511 restaurants. Unfortunately, we, we do not have that currently. We had 160,000 food service employees um, just specific to Connecticut. And, and you know, when you look at some of the, the trends or national numbers that are out there, they're saying, you know, the New York Times um, is saying that, you know, 25 to 30 percent of restaurants across the country will not make it to 2021. Um, if, if that's an accurate, um, you know, projection, we'd be looking at losing 2,000, 2,100 businesses, small businesses in our state. And, uh, you know, what that means to the the business themselves, the the employees for that business, the ancillary businesses that are affected by restaurants, whether you're looking at, you know, linen companies, food purveyors, liquor distributors, um, you know, all the, all the people that that rely and their businesses. So, so driven by restaurants um, will have an impact as well. And, you know, obviously the community, you know, downtown areas, you know, thinking of Hartford, um, specifically with Andy's situation. If we were to continue to lose restaurants, what, what downtown will look like coming out of this pandemic? So there, there's so much um, at, uh, at stake here and, and uh, of, of what could happen. Um, you know, we know that over 600 restaurants have, in Connecticut have already either permanently closed or do not have a date currently for reopening. And that number continues to grow. And obviously I know we're gonna to talk to Greg from from trying to flatten the current curve of the rise. You know, I also have a second curve I rely on every day that I worry about is the curve of, of, of loss of businesses and loss of restaurants. And I'm trying to do everything I can as an association to help these restaurants not have to make that off that, that terrible decision of you know, we just can't make it anymore. We we are going to have to shut down our business and, and 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 unfortunately, close our doors. And and that that's what I'm stressed about. You know, I lose sleep at night because I know you know these people have put their their lives into these into these businesses, um, and they're trying to do everything they can. They're fighters. They're trying to survive, but they're going to need additional help and support. Um, you know, to make it through uh, the next few months that, that are that are upon us.
0: That's an important point. Uh, I want to go back to Andy Rizzo of Salute. when we think about uh, your restaurant surviving, being able to keep uh, your workforce, but if restaurants around you are closing, that really impacts your business as well.
2: Absolutely. Definitely, Lucy. Um, we are, we're a big family in downtown Hartford, honestly, with everyone. It's not just us. We think about everybody else in downtown Hartford. Uh, we're a very, very close, close community down here. All the owners, all the managers know each other, we all talk, we all feed off of each other's business when things are going on down here, um, and, and right now that's just really tough, and it's really tough to just try to keep everybody positive. That's, that's the big thing for us, is just, is just trying to think of everything on a daily basis, something positive coming out of this. Like I said, we have, we have 40 employees, and they all came back. We do not want to make any layoffs. Uh, these these are these are people with families that this is this is how they support their family they have children at home that they're homeschooling now Um their their significant other wives or husbands they can be laid off also so so for us was really 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 important for Jimmy myself and our chef who is the other partner um, to really maintain our employees and I think with that also comes the safety where people come in here and they see the familiar faces. They feel more comfortable. They feel a little bit more like they're at home. The majority of our employees have been with us forever. So one one big thing for us is is able to have all of our employees back and, and really trying to support them as much as possible because we we do have some lifers in this business that have been with us for 10, 15, 20 years, even before we had Salute. And um, And like I said, they have families to support too, so... We uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're not only looking out for ourselves, but on a, on a daily basis, we're we're definitely looking out for every single one of those employees that that will make sure that they can put food on their table and make sure that they can sustain a roof over their head through this pandemic.
0: Andy, what do you want to hear from Governor Lamont?
2: Um, I really liked what he said a couple weeks ago, where he came out and said, with his own words, that it is the uptick in cases has nothing to do with restaurants has basically to do with gatherings. Um, And like I said before, there's just those couple bad eggs that really make a bad name for our entire industry where a lot of us are going above and beyond. Uh, I would love for him to come out and say, please go to downtown Hartford, support downtown Hartford, even though nothing is going on. We would love for him to come out and say something like that in the public's eye and, and let people know that it is safe to sit inside these restaurants that are social distancing. Um and, and, and that's really it. It's just it's just really getting bodies in the seats at the moment and especially through the winter. I think it's gonna be a really long winter. We really do down here. But we'll uh we're gonna survive and, and a lot of these other places hopefully they do too. We we do not wanna see anybody else go out of business in downtown Hartford. And and for for more so for the entire state of Connecticut. Um but down down here, uh you know, I have friends in, in the restaurant industry, I've talked to Scott many, many times about different restaurants around that have closed, whether it's surrounding areas in in, in Hartford or down the shoreline, and um, and and everyone's you know they're everyone's struggling. It, it's it's really tough, but I think the hardest hit is in the cities where they rely on that corporate business and they rely on the commuters to go down. Um, and and I would love for Governor Lamont to come out and say that please, it's okay to go inside restaurants. He's actually been here twice and he has sat inside. So.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Andy Rizzo, thank you for calling into the show today. Managing partner of Salou in Hartford, we appreciate your time.
2: Appreciate you, Lucy. Thank you very much, and thank you, Scott.
0: Scott Dolch is also with us. He's going to stick around, executive director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association, as we continue to talk here on Where We Live about uh, how to support local restaurants in this pandemic. Do you feel comfortable eating indoors? We'll talk about some measures restaurants are taking right after the break. We'll also hear from an epidemiologist. You can join us too. 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy nall Last Friday, the governor rolled back Connecticut's reopening because the number of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations has grown. This means restaurants and other businesses have to follow certain guidelines like a 50% capacity and closing at 10 p.m. Uh, with us on Zoom is Scott Dolch, Executive Director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. And joining us now is Greg Gonzalez, Assistant Professor of Epidemiology at Yale School of Public Yale School of Public Health. Greg, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks for having me, Lucy.
0: So many of us are wondering about, uh, you know, is it safe uh, to eat indoors? And when we think to the start of the pandemic uh, back in March, uh, there's a lot of attention on how this virus spreads. So what do we know at this point? And can you shed some light uh, for our listeners about, you know, is it safe to eat indoors at restaurants?
4: So, first of all, risk is on a continuum, right? Like safe, unsafe is is not the way to think about it. It's thinking of things as more safe or less safe. Um, and so, um, being outdoors uh, and eating outdoors uh, in a setting where you know perhaps there's a an overhang, but there's fresh air flowing through the the venue is probably the safest way to enjoy uh, uh, going out to a restaurant at this point. Again, with tables spaced um, accordingly, six feet apart. Um, As we move indoors, risk increases, right? It increases with the number of people that are in a given uh, uh, set up in a a restaurant. It it increases depending on the kind of ventilation that's available within the establishment. So things can be done more safely or less safely. And um, as the overall community spread of the virus increases, risk increases as well. So the, the restrictions that you're talking about being reinstituted mm-hmm. in Connecticut are are not about what the restaurant uh, business has done, it's about what the virus has done. And mm-hmm. the virus has increased over the past um, few weeks, um, as Scott has hinted, uh, largely from sort of small private gatherings. Um, but we're seeing the virus go up. It's We're heading towards winter where things will get more risky. So we have to think about how to live more safely, which includes uh, how we deal with bars and restaurants.
0: Mm. Scott Dolch, uh, hearing Greg uh, explain that to us, when we think about how to reduce risk, uh, talk about some ways that restaurants are thinking about that, um, because we know cases are going up in our state.
3: Yeah, Lucy, I, I mean, I, I I think about and obviously to, to Greg's comment, you know, that it's stuff that we preach and we see every day our restaurants going above and beyond um, ways to to keep people keep their employees and their guests safe, um, you know, adding new air ventilation systems, UV ventilation systems, um, you know, with with Plexi and spacing out, um, the sanitation and cleanliness, that what they're doing um, above and beyond, um, you know, to to make sure that, that people uh, see that and continue to promote that it's obviously a different time than ever before in an, in, an, in an industry where i don't think you know you would ever put safety as the first uh you know it's obviously about your food and your ambiance and and what you provide in the service um, but safety is everything and i think you know you're seeing uh restaurants getting as creative as they possibly can um i was just at a restaurant uh, last week you know that was putting in a whole new air filtration system through uv um you know and, and the company you know was saying that the, that the way that the air flows it's it's cleaner than even the air outside and the way it moves. And I think that that's what you're going to continue to see these restaurants, obviously their livelihood, their businesses at stake, um, you know, just like other businesses around, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously to, to Greg's point, um, there's a risk that we, we make in our lives every single day, and obviously there's a little bit of an increased risk now with the spread. But you know whether it's going to a grocery store, going to a package store, going to Home Depot, um, you know our kids going to school, my three kids being in school right now, like you know there there are definitely um, risk. But I, but I do think you know our restaurants continue to to or to do what is asked of them, but also not even go, what is asked, going above and beyond, and and you're seeing that. And I think. Uh, I applaud them, and I and I think they're just trying to do everything they can to survive this, and and hopefully we we can we can flatten this curve. We can we can see the other side of it, but obviously you know with the winter months, you know outdoor dining like like we've talked about is unfortunately going to go away, or at least versions of outdoor dining. There's some unique dining experiences we can talk about outside, but you know I, I'm hopeful that 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 people understand we don't, there's no other industry that public health goes through their, there's their business four times a year in normal times. Um, you know, our, our industry uh, prides itself um, since this, since this pandemic started that, we need to be leaders in safety and sanitation. We have to figure out creative ways and work with local vendors and and technology. Um, We just can't sit around and go, okay, well, we're just gonna have to wait it out. Like We have to continue to make our restaurants safer than they've ever been before. And you're seeing that right now. And you saw that even with outdoor dining, you know, with, the, with how they, they set up their outdoor areas and, and kept people safe. And if you go inside a restaurant, I promise you, you'll be continue to be pleasantly surprised by the efforts um, that the staff is making, that, that, the, that the restaurateurs are making um, to make sure you, you can feel safe um, eating inside.
0: Luisa is calling into the show from Westchester, New York. Uh, Luisa, welcome to the show. How do you feel about dining at restaurants these days?
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a really good question to ask. Um, I think, you know, around June, um, New York got hit really hard. And I, I think around that time, Connecticut allowed indoor dining. Um, so we started to shift to Connecticut. We started dining in Connecticut, uh, lower populated areas. Now that the cases are on the rise again, obviously, cities a concerned for me and my family. Uh, we want to support restaurants. Um, so I think we're going to be shifting a little bit more towards the um, dining out, takeout. Um we're trying to actually make sure that we order at the restaurant as opposed to some of these third-party services that charge the restaurant's fees, uh, which already makes it more difficult for them, you know, to to gain profits. Um, We just hope that, you know, we we take it seriously and that we continue to walk around with masks when dining. And sometimes I think uh, we're forgetting just because we're still not used to it. We're we're getting more used to wearing the mask now. We're walking outside of our cars. Oh my gosh, would I forget my mask? But you know, we're forgetting that we need to walk around with our masks when dining in. Um, I hope we continue to do that and push it. And uh, we're just hoping for the best. We, we hope that small restaurants continue to stay open and afloat, that they figure it out and they, they push more towards takeout dining um, during these colder times. But, you know, I'm just really worried that it's going to be a time when it's really mostly franchises or big corporations or big companies that are only around and a lot of these mm. small restaurants aren't around because of COVID.
0: Well, thank you, Luisa, uh, for calling in to Where We Live. You can join us to 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Greg Consalves, uh, we're hearing uh, from restaurants that are trying these uh, outdoor enclosures, but the importance, as you'd mention, is uh, ventilation. What's your take on this?
4: So um, the reason we sort of think of indoor dining as higher risk is because it's enclosed, right, and there's little mm-hmm. ventilation. Um, And there's people in close proximity, right? So if you make a plexiglass or a a tent igloo outside and recapitulate uh, a less safe indoor dining experience, except it's out on the street or in the backyard or in the parking lot, um, you're sort of defeating the purpose of of outdoor dining. The one thing I want to mention is that um, I, I think the restaurant and bar industry has been left... Uh, on its own. We haven't seen enough federal support to help them do these things that Scott has said Connecticut restaurants have taken up on their own. Um, I I think Senator Murphy and Senator Blumenthal, Governor Lamont can do a lot more for small businesses in the state and help them to uh, be able to weather the storm, whether it's providing economic support for the industry or PPE or other kinds of uh, uh, technical support um, will help us get through the winter together. Um, But I think we just have to follow the sort of, basic precepts of, of risk reduction and figure out how we can keep people as safe as we can over the winter. Um, and it may move us towards, um, you know, very restricted indoor dining. It may uh, end up in, in additional reduced capacity. Um, but I think it's not incumbent on small businesses and restaurants and bars in, this, in the state to do it on their own. This, this is about a public health crisis, but it's also a social and economic crisis. And we need our our state, local and federal officials to, 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 to really start to deliver for the small businesses in the state. The previous pandemic relief bill was really targeted towards large corporations, not to the mom and pop businesses that Scott represents.
0: That's a really important point, Greg. Uh, Scott Dolch, let's talk about that. This idea that, you know, government can't just, uh, come up with these, uh, these rules or tell you when you need to close, but this idea of supporting, uh, workers and small businesses. What is Connecticut doing?
3: yeah no lucy and and greg thank you so much for for bringing that up i I couldn't agree more um i think obviously our restaurants have have been you know really struggling for eight months i mean it'll be eight months here uh the the beginning of next week since since the shutdown and and obviously federally we received that ppp funding early on it was a two-month program we've been in this now eight months so you know, to be able to help them now as we head into the winter, especially being in New England, as opposed to southern states and things like that. Federal, I'm, I'm hopeful, cooler heads prevail down in D.C. and we can get another stimulus package that, that can target small businesses and the hardest hit. And I, I use that term very, very, you know, the same way on the state level. I know that um, a lot of states around us have created, you know, and even Connecticut has launched a $50 million uh, grant program uh, that Commissioner Lehman and his team has put together and, and I applaud their efforts so far. But I, I do think our industry specifically, as a lot of states around them have have created um, specific uh, programs targeted at the hospitality industry, obviously restaurants and, and you know, you, you look at breweries, you look at uh, all the other, you know, private event venues, caterers um, that that have been hit so, so hard. I don't think there's another industry um, that has had to weather this storm like we have, and then obviously to have another rollback um, leading into the the, the the darkness here of winter, um, we do need that support. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm asking our state, you know, through the CARES Act that was passed back in May, um, if there's an additional dollars out of the $1.38 billion our state received, um, to go to, the, to to go to the hospitality industry and a significant portion um, to helping because right now the program in the state is only offering five thousand dollar grants. Um, I, I hate to say it, I just don't think five thousand dollars is going to help get any any business in Connecticut through the winter. Um, you know, I think that you know, when you look at other states around. You know, their maximum grant amount sizes are anywhere between twenty five and seventy five, a hundred thousand dollars in the New England states. So. I'm hopeful as we continue to talk to the governor that money has to be spent by the end of the year uh, that we can continue to, to, to create a program. um, Because obviously to to Greg's point, you know, we, we are, you know, there's going to be an, even the the caller, you know, there's, there's still a lot of concern now about going inside and eating. And we, we are going to continue to push to have as many guests that feel safe to go in and eat, but, you know, and hopefully they continue to support us through takeout um, and other ways, but at the same time we need additional support and I'm hopeful both on a state side, we can build a grant, a robust grant program for our industry. And then obviously, uh, you know, down in DC, as I work with our colleagues and our our seven delegates uh down there as much as I can to get a, an additional round of stimulus, uh, as Greg mentioned, targeted uh to the small businesses, to the to the restaurants, um, to make sure that we can get through this pandemic. The last thing we all want is to see one restaurant close, more or less than than hundreds or even thousands um, in our state because the recovery. And what it'll mean for the communities that we all live in um, would just be uh, just such a such a difficult, you know, and so hard. Uh, it's already been tough enough in Connecticut to 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 open a business and run a business in normal times. And how long our recovery could be if we go back to 7, 2007? How long it took Connecticut to fully recover and the GDP concerns we had last year? My concern is if we don't do more now, we're gonna we're gonna put ourselves in a hole as a state um you know long term that that is going to be very very hard to come out of and and that's not what any of us want so i'm hopeful that we can we can continue to work with both our state and federal officials to to find some solutions that work for our industry
0: when we think about the the cases that are surging here in the United States and in our region, we can look to what's happening also in Europe. And so, uh, Greg Consalves, you know, are there uh, initiatives or measures that other countries are taking uh, to deal with uh, these surges and ways to support their businesses?
4: Well, I mean, I think you have to realize that the United States had a very unique trajectory with this epidemic. Um, and while Europe is seeing um, uh, Resurgent in cases uh, across lots of countries, but they have a much more robust social safety net um, and uh, healthcare, and less of a fragmented healthcare system, and so there's an ability um, to catch people as they fall, whether they're individuals uh, in our communities or they're small businesses uh, uh, who, who who serve us night and day. And so I think the the point is is that um, many countries like Denmark have done. Direct salaries, salary subsidies, and subsidies to businesses—not mm-hmm. um, sort of, you know, one-time grants or small grants or for individuals, twelve hundred-dollar checks—and so, again, this is a public health crisis that the, the virus sort of dictates the terms on. But the social and economic consequences are something that we can deal with um, in a much better way in the United States than we have before. And, um, you know, we want to come out of this better than we, than we, we started, right? And that means having our communities. Um, fully flourishing when this pandemic is over. And that's gonna mean a, a, a really sort of a Marshall plan for the United States, for small businesses, for individuals in our communities who are most vulnerable to this virus. And so um, other countries, New Zealand, Australia, others have been much more um, aggressive about social and economic support, um, testing, tracing, isolating, mask wearing, all the things that that um, Scott and his um, member uh, restaurants are, are doing uh, on their premises. but. Um, we haven't sort of taken a sort of national campaign the way many other countries have to sort of confront the virus and its social and economic impacts. And we have to do better. And perhaps in January, we can start to change, uh, change our trajectory on that, but we're going to have to get again, Senator Blumenthal, and Senator Murphy, Governor Lamont um, at the table in DC, arguing for, for small businesses, arguing for relief to individuals in our communities um, who, you know, if you, if, if you're struggling economically, you're not going to go out to eat. Right. And so, uh, the restaurants have to survive and the customers have to survive. And that's going to mean social and economic support uh, f- far greater than the, the sort of um, s- small amounts that have flown down to, to local and state um, municipalities over the past uh, eight months.
0: You're hearing Greg Consalves, Assistant Professor of Epidemiology at Yale School of Public Health. Scott Dolch is also with us, Executive Director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. We'll be We'll be back after a short break. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. My guest today on Zoom, Greg Gonsalves, Assistant Professor of Epidemiology at Yale School of Public Health, and Scott Dolch, Executive Director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. Uh, Greg, you mentioned earlier the importance of uh, risk reduction or harm reduction when we think about um, how we're gonna get through this pandemic. In the summer, it seemed uh, easier to do as we're thinking about uh, colder weather ahead. Uh, What kind of approach should people take? How do they do that when they may be stuck indoors?
4: You're right. The summer was much more um, propitious and, and easier to, to, to do in terms of social distancing. We could be outside in parks. We could be in outside restaurants. Um, as we move indoors, risk increases. Um, you know, uh, in, in addition, this month is Thanksgiving. Next month are the the December holidays where people are going to uh, have a deep urge to go home and see family. Um, and so we're going to have to figure out how to sort of minimize our, our social contact. and so. You know maybe we skip thanksgiving this year and 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 hold out for 2021 but if we feel like we have to see our families it means trying to be able to get a COVID test before you um get in a car and drive to see your your elderly mother or father Um, it means quarantining uh if you travel across country on an airplane uh, before you see your relatives um it means really reducing um people outside your your intimate social circle um, you have to sort of constrain the risks uh, among the friends and family that you're going to spend time with over the next few months um, I think you can go out to get takeout I think there's a possibility of outdoor dining as far as we can stretch it into the into the into the into the fall and early winter um, and there's probably a possibility depending on how the the pandemic sort of uh, goes over the next few months for for continued indoor dining, based on the sort of modifications that Scott has described that are happening all across the state in in small restaurants, uh, small and large restaurants and and bars and other hospitality venues in the state. And, but, um, you know, it's not the summer. Uh, It's much riskier, um, both because of the the climate and the ability to be uh, outdoors, but also because the virus was at a sort of nadir at a lull in Connecticut during the summer and and is now starting to go on the uptick. Um, You know, I wish this wasn't the case. but, you know, we, you know the, the most important thing to say is we, we shouldn't be told that we have to do this alone and that mm. we're alone against the virus, that we are, we are sort of cast adrift, whether it was a small business or an individual family in this state. And we really need our, our, our political leaders to step up and, and catch us before we fall.
0: Greg, uh, many of our listeners have heard about pods, or maybe have formed them. This idea of you know trying to not be isolated again. Can you talk about that approach and, and what's a a way to do it, um, especially as we get to winter?
4: So, I mean, you know, so pods are, are, you know, your family is a pod. It's your 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 significant other, your children, your dog, um, or your cat. And the point is is that you want to restrict. Uh, contact with others to sort of uh, reduce the sort of chances for infection uh, uh, being transmitted to one of you, to the whole community that you live with. Um, you know, I've heard of friends uh, in Connecticut and New York having sort of friendship pods where a group of, you know, six to eight people say the, we're the only group of people we're going to see um, if we leave the, you know, we're going to restrict the ways we um Do our grocery shopping and do other sort of odd-to-contacts. If there's any sort of significant uh, contact with large groups of people, we're going to quarantine ourselves for uh, two weeks before we come back into the pod. Um, You know, the suggestions around um, uh, how to deal with the holidays are based on some of these precepts, too, about restricting your contacts before you you deal with other people. But I've also heard of, you know, neighbors becoming pods together. So, like, if you have kids and they have kids, in order to allow some sort of um, social contact for for young people, um, families have decided we're going to be a pod and we're going to restrict our contact with the outside world. Um, we're going to make sure that we are um, pretty rigorous about mask wearing, about how we sort of deal with uh, others in the community. Um, you know, it's it, this is a crisis. It's a social, it's a public health crisis, but it's a social crisis, and um, it's asking a lot of us. Um, and it, it hasn't been easy these eight months. And even if you work in public health, you're facing these these issues yourself in your daily lives.
0: Mm. Uh, we're lucky for those of us who have families, but when we pe- we think about people who live alone, uh, Greg, that can also be challenging.
4: Yeah, my my elderly mother lives alone on Long Island, um, and uh, you know I talk to her you know every couple of days, and I think the loneliness is acute, um, and there are people without family to call them um and this is where you know we have to share some solidarity and generosity to our neighbors even if we didn't meet them before the pandemic uh and and check in on them by the phone or uh, be willing to drop off groceries and there's been these sort of mutual aid networks that have popped up across the country and and across connecticut um but i think we're going to have to think about how to rely on them a little bit more as the winter hits um i think people felt at liberty to sort of leave their houses even if they lived alone um during the summer to, to, to take care of basic needs. During this winter, it might be a little bit more um, uh, uh, difficult to do some of that for people who live alone, particularly elderly. Um, and we're going to have to sort of um, step up as neighbors to, to, to show we care um, you know, as we wait for relief to come from, from our, our politicians for the support we need to do this uh, on a wholesale level.
0: That's a good point uh, to end on. Thank you, Greg Consalvas, Assistant Professor of Epidemiology at Yale School of Public Health. We appreciate your time, Greg. Anytime. And Scott Dolch, thank you for joining us at this hour to talk about how we can uh, help uh, our restaurants uh, and the people who work uh, in the industry who are neighbors and family. Thank you, Scott Dolch, Executive Director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association.
3: Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for continuing supporting our, our local restaurants. They need it now more than ever. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Today's show produced by Carmen Bascoff. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. You can download Where We Live on your favorite podcast app. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.